about to hear an anointed, powerful word that will change your life from Treasure Coast Victory Center. Be blessed as your faith goes from one level of glory to another level of glory. Go to Matthew chapter 12 tonight. Father, I thank you for another opportunity to preach your word, extend your word into the people's hearts. Father, I thank you the seed will take root tonight, that they will open their eyes and my eyes to things that we have not seen before. Father, we want to operate in your kingdom. We want to know about your kingdom, and we want to seek it first in our life. And I thank you tonight for all you're going to bring forth. Holy Ghost, you just go ahead and have a little fun tonight. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. All right, Matthew chapter 12 tonight. Look at verse 22. It says, Then was brought unto him, talking about Jesus, one possessed with a devil, blind and dumb. And he healed him insomuch that the blind and the dumb both spake and saw. Here we see they brought to Jesus a person that was possessed with a devil, and Jesus did what? He healed him. Jesus healed him so that the man could both speak and the man could see. Jesus is basically the word of God in action. He is the kingdom in sandals. He is the living word of God. He is the word of God on two legs. If you want to know what the word's like, just study the life of Jesus, and you will find out what the word of God is talking about. He was the only one that could provide this kind of help for humanity at this time. That's because man had fell, man had lost his dominion, and Jesus came to bring the kingdom of God and the authority back to mankind. He alone at this time had authority over demon spirits. However, Jesus had a mandate, and that was to give that same authority and same anointing, the same word, the same call, and the same ministry to his disciples. His disciples, in turn, then, would pass that call to the church and multiply generations of believers. Now, notice, Jesus came, brought the kingdom of God, authority, and power. He wanted to pass that on to his disciples who followed him. The disciples were then supposed to pass it on to the church. And basically, what happened? I mean, what has happened? If that was God's mandate, if that was Jesus' mandate, what has happened? The church operates in no authority. We operate in no power. We operate in no victory whatsoever. So the disciples got a clue of what was going on. But someplace along the line between the disciples and the church now, something was lost. We lost the call. We lost what we were supposed to do. We lost what the Word of God has told us to do with the authority that we have. So today we have that same mandate to reach people through the power of the Word of God and through the authority and dominion that God has given us. We can open blind eyes, not only naturally, but also spiritually. We can bring them out of darkness into His marvelous light, the Bible says. This is the great commission that the church has failed on. Jesus came as the Word of God. He came in human form to reveal and to demonstrate the plan of God, which was the kingdom of God invading the earth realm. He came to delegate his authority to the children of God in order that they might have the same ability to exercise God's will against demonic spirits in this realm here. He wanted to bring heaven into the earth realm, heaven's power, heaven's authority, and heaven's dominion, and heaven's freedom. All right, look at verse 24, same Matthew 12. But when the Pharisees heard it, they said, This fellow does cast out devils, but by Beelzebub, the prince of devils. The deliverance of the demoniac here, who basically could then see and hear, basically from the religious leaders, got a different reply. 
The religious leaders heard about it. They dismissed the miracle and attributed it to who? The devil. They attributed the power to Satan. If you are truly going to live an authoritative kingdom life, there is a price to pay in your life. A life of dominion in your life is going to make you a minority of what's going on in the world right now, even in the church. You are different than everybody else. The word is free, but there will be a price to pay if you're actually going to believe it and do it and operate in the authority and power that you have. Many people are going to lose friends because of the word of God. Many are going to lose some family members. Can you say amen? Amen. Because of the word of God and because of the authority that you have in your life. If you want to keep those friends and those family members, you are going to have to make a decision to violate or compromise the word of God, not obey it fully to keep them happy in your life. Other people who find out about the kingdom of God and enter in are going to lose their jobs. How many know the strip dancer cannot get saved and basically then continue to dance and continue to try to get dollar bills for the rest of her life? She's going to have to make a change in her life once the power of God enters her life and the anointing of God comes in her life with the Spirit of God. This can happen in any single area of your life. There is a price to pay in your life for walking in the authority and the power of God. The Bible says those that live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. So that tells me, I check myself all the time, when's the last time I suffered some good old persecution? Because if I'm not suffering any persecution, it's obvious to me that I must not be living godlike or godly or somebody would notice that I'm fanatic, radical, above everybody else, doing something different than anybody else. So notice, your godliness will basically lead to persecution in your life. These are warnings that are coming to you. When people fail to do what the Bible says, you will eventually throw down the Bible. If you don't get instant results, you will throw down the Word of God. This can happen in the area of any area of your life. It can happen in finances. It can happen in healing. It can happen in simply living victoriously in your life. The thing that you fail to obtain from God becomes a thing that you don't want to hear about anymore. We've seen people in this church basically who were all for healing until someone in their family didn't get healed. And when they didn't get healed all at once, the Word of God wasn't true. The Word of God doesn't work. What it was preaching was not it. But notice, praise God, God's Word is always true. People say, well, I'm sick of preachers talking about healing. I'm sick of preachers talking about prosperity and tithing. Why is that? Did you fail to get it? Maybe it's not working for you. If it doesn't work for you, just go back to the Word of God, find out where you missed it, forgive yourself, forgive the preacher, and move on with God. God never lies. His Word is fact, and His Word is always true. We found out last week that the integrity of the Word of God is an important thing in your life. If God said it, He will do it. He's just not trying to do it, or maybe it works 50% of the time. He will do it, and if there's a failure there, it's with us. Once again, we talked last week, if you turn on the light switch and the light did not go on tonight, you wouldn't get mad at the electric company. You wouldn't get upset over the switch. You would not say, I'm tired of hearing about this light stuff. You would find out why it did not work. Now, why would you do that? Because you expect it to work every single time you throw the switch. Well, the Word of God is the same way. When you find a promise in the kingdom of God and in the word of God and you speak that promise and stand on that promise, it should work every single time.
time in your life. We've, we've tried the word of God. For many years of my life, I tried it. And I heard about healing and I tried it. I learned about getting something and I tried it. And when it didn't work, well, I just changed my prayer list to something else. Maybe, you know, if you get enough things out there, maybe God will hit three or four on them. If I can ask him for a hundred of them, maybe I'll get 3%. That's not bad. That's better than what I'm getting now anyway. So I wasn't set on the fact that his word of God was the integrity of God himself. So if you're not receiving, simply find out, allow the Holy Ghost to teach you. Remember the Bible says the word is a seed and that seed is planted into your heart. It's going to take some time to water that thing, let that thing grow so it produces fruit in your life. Never think that it's the word of God that is the problem. Never think that it's God's the problem. Find out where your problem is and let the Holy Ghost straighten you out. Remember, the Holy Ghost wants you to receive from God. He's put here so you receive from God. So just ask him where you're missing it, and he will help you in that area of your life to produce fruit. All right, go to Luke 22. All right, Luke 22, verse 31. We're going to talk a little bit about Peter's meltdown. Verse 31, and the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that thy faith fail not, and when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. If you, if you allow these patterns in your life of trying to believe God, then backing off or just doing it out of a wish thing, eventually you're going to give up on the word of God. Once you give up the word of God, you're going to start violating the word of God, which means if you don't stand for the things that the kingdom already gave you, if you don't stand for the power that he gave you, if you don't stand for the authority he gave you, if you don't stand for the righteousness and the health that he gave you, pretty soon you'll just live halfway in between righteousness and sin and think everything's all right. But it doesn't work that way. It takes you into unbelief, and when you're in unbelief, you receive absolutely nothing from God. So God's word will no longer have integrity to you. Peter apparently here allowed certain things in his life. Jesus told him that Satan desired to sift him as wheat. Jesus prayed that his faith, his faith in what do you think? In Jesus' word, will not fail. Satan basically is strategizing against your life to try to steal the word and faith from you on a daily basis. The word will have no effect in your life if he can help it. To discredit God's word and promises is what he does. If it works in your life that way, then you will live in the natural realm with everything that you do. Many people step out above their faith level. In other words, they hear about, well, you can believe God for a car if you want to. So they're looking for a Rolls Royce. How many know they need to look for the $2,000 car that basically runs and gets them to work for now until their faith grows? People say, well, I tithe at that Treasure Coast Victory Center for a month and I didn't get anything. Well, good. You've got your seed in the ground. Now keep planting, control your mouth, keep going forward, and sooner or later you will get the harvest. It's not an instant thing. It is the Word of God. So what do you do? You just keep sowing. All right, look at verse 33. And he said unto him, Lord, I am ready to go with thee both unto prison and to death. And Jesus said, I tell you, Peter, the cock shall not crow this day before thou hast three times denied me that you even know me. Notice all of a sudden, basically, what happened here? Jesus told Peter that he would deny him how many times? Three times. Now, with great confidence, Peter said, no, you're wrong. I'm not going to do that. I don't care if everybody's offended. I will not be offended. I will go and I will die with you. Now, this shows me here that your bold confession is not enough. 
Because Peter had one. Of course, he was with his other disciples, and he wanted to show them what he was made of, of course. So he said, no, I'll go. I'll never die with you. Well, notice he said that here, but notice it was not enough. It takes more than the confession in your mouth. It also takes a transformation in your heart. When the storm hits, you will know what your foundation truly is. If it's sand, keep sowing. Don't give up. Keep right on sowing the word of God. Look at verse 40. And when he was at the place, he said unto them, Pray that you enter not into temptation. Say pray. pray. Notice, it's not enough just to have faith. It's not enough just to hear the word of God. Life can come in. It can overcome you if you are not prayed up. What is prayer basically? It's a connection with God, allowing God into the earth realm, but it's also watering the seed that you plant. So if I see in the word of God that I'm supposed to be living in perfect peace and I plant that in my heart, then whenever I pray, I'm going to thank God that I have perfect peace. I thank him whenever the storm comes, I stay in peace. I thank him when the tragedy comes, I'm going to stay in peace. I thank him that I have the peace that passes all understanding. What am I doing? I'm watering that seed on the inside of me for when the storm comes, I will be ready for the storm. But notice what did Peter do? He slept. Look at verse 47. And while he yet spake, behold, a multitude... And he that was called Judas, one of the twelve, went before them and drew near unto Jesus to kiss him. But Jesus said unto him, Judas, betrayest thou son of man with a kiss? When they were about, when they which were about him saw that he would follow, they said unto him, Lord, shall we smite him with the sword? And one of the high and one of them spoke to the servant of the high priest and cut off his what? Right ear. Hallelujah. How many know who that one was? It was Peter, wasn't it? So what did Peter do? All of a sudden, here come the soldiers. Here comes the catastrophe. Here comes these mean voices and angry soldiers. And Peter gets up and tries to solve the situation in the natural realm. He grabs his sword and he slices off one guy's ear. Now, how many know if there was an army coming, he's going to have to cut off a lot of ears to get the victory in this situation? Jesus rebuked him, basically. The arm of the flesh did not work, so Jesus simply rebuked him. The question is tonight... Who are you trusting? Are you trusting in the world's methods or are you trusting in the word of God? For your wealth, for your peace, for your joy. Where does your peace come from? A raise at work or the peace that's on the inside of you? Does your joy come from something else or joy in the Lord is your strength? You have to get the foundation of the Lord Jesus Christ. All right, look at verse 54. Then took they him and led him and brought him unto the high priest and Peter followed where? afar off. Notice, once you start throwing the word down, once you lose your fire for the word of God, once the word of God is just something for you to read, to think you're making God happy, not something to change your life, not something to use your authority to obtain, not something to stand on by faith, basically at that time you'll start following God from afar. You'll still follow him. You're still on your way to heaven. You're still going to church. You're still yelling amen when the preacher says something good for you. But when you get outside of church, you're no longer putting that word of God into effect in your life. You're becoming lukewarm and you follow God where? Afar off. So Peter was following afar off. Maybe, maybe Peter believed God for something and didn't get it. Maybe he said, well, God didn't do it. Did you ever hear of anybody? Well, I prayed and God didn't do it. He just didn't do it for me. He said he was going to do it, but he didn't do it for me. And why is that? Because he's already did what you were praying for. The problem was you were not using your authority to keep what he already gave you. You were trying to have God to give it to you a second time. Kingdom gives you the possession. 
You've already got it. It's not something that opens up the door for you to get it from God. It's already yours. We talked about it even on Sunday. When you enter the kingdom of God, with it comes some byproducts. Heaven is a byproduct. Health is a byproduct. Wealth is a byproduct. Peace is a byproduct. Joy is a byproduct. Power is a byproduct. You don't have to fight to get those things. You got them because you became a citizen of a country that gave to you them as a legal right. So Peter slipped back and he started following afar off. All right, look at verse 55. And when they had kindled a fire in the midst of the hall and were set down together, Peter sat among them. But a certain maid beheld him as he sat by the fire and earnestly looked up upon him and said, This man was also with them. And he denied him, saying, Woman, I know him not. And after a little while, another saw him and said, Thou also was with them. And Peter said, Man, I am not. And about the space of one hour, after another confidently affirmed, saying of a truth to his fellow, of this fellow also with him for the Galilean. And Peter said, Man, I know not what you say. And immediately while he spake, what happened? The cock crowed. Hallelujah. So Jesus was taken to be tried outside Peter, who was never going to leave him nor forsake him and die with him. Basically, he was warming himself by the fire. He was nervously waiting to see what was going to happen to Jesus. Basically, the devil came to him and basically said, I'm not going to let you just chop off somebody's ear. I want you to make a proclamation several times, a declaration of your authority in the wrong direction. The devil knows, basically, that the way that he snares you is by the words of your mouth. So he came to Peter and he sent somebody there and the lady said, hey, you were with him. Peter said, I was not. One thing even says he cussed while he did it. I am not. The devil says that ain't enough. I'm going to make you confirm it again. And he said it a second time. And he said it a third time. Notice, when something gets in your mouth that's doubt and unbelief, the devil will try to get, make you say it as many times as you can. That's why a pity party is the worst thing in your entire life. Whenever you get that spirit of pity on you, you want everybody to feel sorry for you. Well, in order to get them to feel sorry for you, you have to tell them all your problems. And you go over them and over them and over them. And the devil knows that he's snaring you by the words of your mouth. You have to believe the Word of God and claim the Word of God and catch yourself when you get off the Word of God. Because we found out last week, once you violate the Word of God, your authority is no good. You have to stay under the authority of God Himself. The devil will come and say, what do you really believe? Do you really believe that? Are you really this Word person? Come on, Sunday you were talking it up. You were telling everybody how powerful you were and what a victory you were living in. How's it going today? How's things happening today? What does he want you to do? Get your mouth, go in an opposite direction. So what did he do? He hit him several times. Three times he made him say, I don't even know this man. What was he doing? Building the unbelief in him through the words of his mouth. All right, go to Luke chapter 11. Christianity today, it's usually like this on Sunday morning. How are you today, brother? Blessed. Monday morning, how are you? I'm terrible. This is the worst thing. My job stinks. My wife stinks. My kids are terrible. And, and Wednesday night they come and say, how you doing, brother? Blessed. Well, Peter got with his brothers and said, I will never leave you. I will die with you. Then he got by himself with a little woman. Come on, almost. I don't even know that guy. I've never seen that guy before at all. All right, Luke chapter 11. Look at verse 53. And as Jesus said these things unto them, the scribes and the Pharisees began to urge him vehemently, 
and to provoke him to speak of many things. They were laying wait for him, seeking to catch something out of his mouth that they might what? Now notice, the devil here didn't want to beat up Jesus. He didn't want to steal his sandals. He didn't want to steal his belt. He wanted to get to him that the way he thought he could get him to catch something that came out of his mouth. How many know with Jesus, it didn't work? So when the devil cannot get you off the word of God, you are progressing. You are coming into your authority. You know the integrity of the word of God. You are walking in power. The next thing the devil will do is to start rumors about you. His works are of the devil, they said. It's a cult. People still doing that today. Did you hear about that TCVC? Did you hear about that pastor? Did you hear how they do things over there? Did you hear what he said? Hear what he didn't say? See how he said? All you've got to understand is for you and your house, you're just simply going to serve the Lord. I can remember when we first started and we were in the Holiday Inn and we did a morning service, a night service every Sunday night because we couldn't do a Wednesday night service. We only rented it on Sunday. We had Holy Ghost services at night and we laid hands on everything that moved and some pretty far out things would happen there from time to time. And I can remember there was one uh, family that was there who didn't particularly like what I taught, but they were still coming, didn't particularly think a whole lot of me, but they had a daughter who basically was so bound up that she could barely even move. She'd just stand there in a little cocoon-like, and she would barely move and barely do anything. Well, one Sunday I was preaching, and all once the Lord stopped me, and I called her up to the front. And I laid hands on her. And I'll tell you, the power of God knocked her about six feet back on the floor. She laid there for almost an hour the whole time. And in my mind, say my mind, I was thinking, praise God, their daughter got touched. They're going to love me now. This is great. I mean, it didn't work. I don't know what they thought or what they didn't think. All I know is a couple weeks later, they were leaving the church, writing letters against me, telling everybody I was a heretic. And I thought it would change. But how many of you know it didn't change? Praise God. Hallelujah. What was that? That was a strategy of the devil. I know against my mind, I said, God, I'm operating what you want me to, and it, ain't, it works, and nobody likes it anyway. What am I doing here or whatever? And the devil came in and said, that's right. That's right. You ain't doing what you're supposed to be doing. You can see they'd be coming. They'd be there if you were. And all these thoughts start coming where you've got to, once again, protect your mind from these things. These are all strategies of the devil. They have never changed. They're the same things that he's been using for years. Jesus cast out devils by the prince of devils, they said here. What were they doing? They were basically coming against him, trying to discredit him, trying to take his integrity. And he will do the same to you if you're going to walk in the power of God and in the anointing of God. That's just the way it is. All right, go to Luke chapter 10. All right, Luke chapter 10, look at verse 17. And the 70 disciples returned again with joy and said, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through thy name. And Jesus said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Behold, I give unto you power and authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing by any means shall ever hurt you. Jesus cast out the devil, we found out, with his words. The 70 returned and found out that even the devils were subject unto us. In other words, the spoken word had the ability to drive out devils even when the word came out of their mouth. The 70 were so convinced of the word's integrity that they acted upon the word of God. They put action to their faith and the authority that they had and in the word, and the word produced results that stopped the enemy. 
The word is not enough. You have to release that word with the authority that you have that comes from the word in your mouth. Basically, they say, we were surprised. Devils left us. Now, notice they didn't go out with a whole lot of confidence because the way it sounds to me, they were shocked that devils started coming out. And the 70 returned with joy saying, Lord, my God, you ain't going to believe this. Even the devils are subject unto our through the name. So they weren't really bold at this time. They just heard it. Jesus said, you can cast out a devil. And they thought, well, let's give it a shot. What the heck? Let's all go out there and just start speaking to them. And they were shocked when devils started coming out. So the power of God is in the word of God. As a believer, we must also allow the word of God to come into us so that the power of the word will come on us and out of us. Things of the natural will supernaturally line up to accommodate the outward manifestation of God's Word. A Christian that is submitted to the Word will stake their claim to the Word and not move off of their claim. They will not settle for a contradiction or a compromise. They will enforce victory through the authority and dominion that God has already given them. All right, go to Revelations chapter 1. All right, Revelations chapter 1, look at verse 5. It says, And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and has made us kings and priests unto God his Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Notice not only did he wash our sins away, not only does he love us, but he has made us a king and made us a priest. Say, I am a king and a priest. Now, how many of you know when you're a king, even in the Old Testament, most of the time when you're a king, you will be challenged. Other kings will try to come. They'll try to take what belongs to you. They'll try to steal your territory, take your wives, do whatever they need to do, basically. Take all of your possessions because there's an enemy who wants to take what you possess. Same way in the kingdom of God. Once you entered into the kingdom of God, you have a lot of possessions now. Heaven is your home, praise God. You have anointing, you have power, you have joy, you have peace. Well, there's someone who's going to come along and try to steal those things from you. The thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Opposing forces will try to gain influence through rebellion, through deceit, through lies, and through persecution. And let me just tell you, sometimes this persecution comes from other people who are Christians. doesn't always come from the world. You've got people who do not believe like you do, do not care to believe like you do, do not want any responsibility. And when you're telling them that they have responsibility, they're going to get mad at you because for 40 years, God was in control of everything. And if God didn't do it, God didn't do it. And if God did it, you mean I got some responsibilities? You mean I've got to do something in this thing? You mean I got to speak to it? You mean I got to? And what does it do? It, it makes them mad. So basically, they will come after you as a cult and as a heretic, basically. Hallelujah. So opposing forces will come. You will be challenged because you are a king with many possessions. In the life of a Christian, there will be voices of contradiction to come to you. And a lot of times, here's the thing. You've got to keep your faith in the kingdom of God and in the word of God. You don't put your faith in any man of God. 
You put your faith in a man of God who taught healing for 60 years and all at once at 70 years old he gets sick and dies. Everybody gives up on healing. His death does not change the word of God. The word of God is the word of God. Apparently something happened. Apparently he was missing at some place. Apparently he just wasn't whatever. But whatever it is, you cannot do it and say, well, that's it. They died. And if they died, well, they've been tithing for years and now they're broke. Well, you don't know what they were doing on their heart. You don't know what was going on in their life. You don't know what's going on. Do not try to saturate the word of God with contradictive circumstances that take place in different people's lives. Though those things will weigh on you. They'll make you think, well, gosh, they've been in the church 30 years longer than me. They're a great teacher. They're a lot smarter, and they couldn't do that. So what makes me think that I can do that if they couldn't do that? What is that? That's the enemy, once again, coming against your mind. You have to speak your authority and stake your claim. It's up to you. It's not up to everybody else. Everybody, some other people can correct you. When you start talking in the wrong way, somebody can encourage you and give you the word that you need for that situation. But when it boils down to it, when you're all by yourself, laying in your little old bedroom, and the devil comes along to speak a lie to you, ain't nobody there but you. So you've got to make up your mind whether you're going to stake the claim and keep the claim or not. All right, go to Matthew chapter 12. All right, Matthew chapter 12, look at verse 33. Jesus is speaking, says, Either make the tree good and his fruit good, or else make the tree corrupt and his fruit corrupt. For the tree is known by what? His fruit. O generation of vipers, how can you, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. A good man, out of the good treasure of the heart, brings forth good things, and an evil man... Out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. For by your words you shall be justified, and by your words you shall be condemned. Hallelujah. Isn't that a wonderful scripture? Praise God. Put a little star by that one. Here's Jesus talking to the Pharisees. He says, make a decision. Go all the way. Choose one way or the other way and commit yourself to it. Either make the tree good and its fruit good or make the tree evil and the fruit evil. Make a decision. Don't ride the fence. How many of you think God's extreme? He is extreme. He's extreme on His Word. He's extreme on His promises. He's extreme about everything that He gave us. Jesus said, I would that you were hot or cold. I will spew you out of my mouth if you are lukewarm. How many know you better be extreme? So if a person is neither cold or lukewarm, then it must mean that they are hot. Hot basically is being on fire for the things of God, the Word of God. It is putting God first with a relentless pursuit of the kingdom of God. My favorite thing is it is speaking God's Word without trying to. Hallelujah. There's a time in your life when you're going to try to remember to speak the Word and try to remember to speak the Word. And sometimes you're going to make a little boo-boo. So you backtrack and you try to speak the Word. But there's going to come a day in your life where the Word of God just comes out. In every situation, it just comes out. What's the answer to this situation? It just comes out, the Word of God. What's the answer? It just comes out. So that is somebody who is hot. Say, I'm hot. Praise God. It is putting God first place with that pursuit. It is basically speaking the word without trying to. Paul put it this way. I'm not ashamed of the good news about Christ 
because it is the power of God. Now, why do you think he said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel? Because every time he spoke the gospel, he ended up in prison. <laughs> Didn't he? I mean, it didn't work for him either. There was persecution there. So he says, I don't care. I'm not going to be ashamed of it anyway. Even though I'm going to jail all the time, that's what it's going to be. Praise God. I'm going to hang right in there, and that's going to be it. Hallelujah. See, a person who is cold knows they're cold. If you tell them they're cold, they'll say, I know, I'm cold. If a person is hot, they know they're hot. If you tell them that they're hot, they'll say, I know, and I'm not satisfied. Praise God. I'm continuing to go. That's someone who's hot. A lukewarm person doesn't really know they're lukewarm. I'm not that cold. I love the Lord. I still go to church every 14th Sunday of the year, and I'm there on Easter and Christmas and whatever. Lukewarm basically is when you become satisfied, when you become halfway and don't go all the way. So Jesus said, well, either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree evil and its fruit. In other words, go all the way. Make a decision to go 100%. Look at verse 35. A good man out of the good treasure of the heart, say treasure of the heart, Say, good treasure of the heart. Now, we know that the good treasure in the heart would be the Word of God. The Word of God will always bring forth God fruit or good fruit. From your mouth, you will speak good fruit into your life. Good fruit are those things that God has promised in His Word. Jesus said, let the Word of God have abundance or abide in you. And what is abundant in you will come forth through you out of your mouth. You will produce those things that have resided in your heart. So what's in your heart? A treasure. What is that treasure? The treasure, hopefully, is the Word of God. When the Word of God's in there, it will come out your mouth. It will line you up with the kingdom of God, and it will produce fruit. If you ever catch yourself thinking, I've been slipping lately. I don't know what matters. It just seems like I'm backsliding. The thing is, what happened is you've got out of the Word. You stopped praying. You stopped sitting under the Word of God, and you started feeling sorry for yourself in that situation. As long as you stay in the Word, even when you don't feel like it, as long as you keep feeding the Word in there, your treasure will be all right. If not, your treasure is going to get out of whack. You're going to get lukewarm, and the abundance that is in your heart will be fear. It will be worry. It will be worldly things. The Pharisees walked down the middle. They straddled the line, and they lived in mediocrity. They loaded people with burdens, the Bible says, that they didn't even intend to carry. Jesus called them here the offspring of vipers. They knew that Jesus was come from God. How do we know that? Well, Nicodemus, who was one of the Pharisees, came and he says, we know you come from God. How come you're doing all these things that I'm not doing? And Jesus should have just said, I'm hot and you're not. <laughs> but he didn't. He didn't say that. He basically said, you've not entered the kingdom of God and you've not caught the fire of God, basically. Hallelujah. So they knew Jesus came from God, so they had an opportunity to listen to him and to go all out for God. They could have cleansed the inside of their cup rather than the outside of their cup, but to do this, they had to leave their traditions. They had to leave their position. They had to separate from the religious crowd. They had to leave that satisfied realm, and basically they could have got kicked out of their little club if they didn't line up with what was going on there. I tell you, a lot of pastors don't leave their denominations. They get kicked out. Because all at once they catch fire, they start understanding the Word of God and the power of God, and they start preaching that. And the board, say the board, the board decides that it's time for them to go, that they've done their turn there or whatever. But notice the church was never supposed to be ran by a board. It's supposed to be ran by counselors to the man. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So 
basically here, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will always speak. So the Pharisees had an opportunity. Jesus was saying, go all out, do what you can do. So now, after studying this and looking at it for tonight, how can you tell where someone is spiritually? Just stand around them a little bit and see what they're talking about. Are they talking fear or faith? Come on, sickness or health? They will talk. They will testify to it. You didn't have to ask Peter what he was thinking when they asked him if he knew Jesus. He told him, I never saw him before in my life. I don't know who he was, praise God. So you can either make the tree good or you can make the tree evil. What you put in you will come out of you. That is a key. What you put in you will sooner or later come out of you. If the Word of God is in you, the Word of God will come out of you. A bad life flow is from air or negativity and will produce evil fruit in your life. A good life flow is faith, forgiveness, love, confidence will produce good fruit in your life. The fruit will come out of your mouth. I'm going to make a statement here. You are where you are because you talked your way into it. You are where you are because you talked your way into it. Are you fearful? Are you depressed? Are you upset? I found out when I was that way is because I was talking myself into it. All right, go to James chapter 3. A lot of good stuff here tonight. I'm going to take up an offering, I think, probably, maybe, and see what's going on. that? James chapter 3. <laughs> All right, James chapter 3, one of my least favorite scriptures. Verse 1, my brethren, be not many masters or teachers, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. For in many things we offend all, if any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man and able also to bridle or control the whole body. Every child of God, basically, when they get born again, should crave the Word of God. It should be their food. Many say that I want to be everything that God wants me to be. Well, just saying that is not enough. Your life has to basically seek God, go after God, and you have to plant the Word of God and let the Word of God grow. If you're going to stake your claim to the blessings of God, it's more than just saying, I want that. Yeah, that sounds good to me. That's a good one there. No, it's going to take you living basically beyond mediocrity like everybody else. You're going to have to discipline yourself, and you're going to have to put the Word of God on the inside of you so it produces fruit coming out of the inside of you. Here the Bible says, don't be many masters or don't be many teachers. In other words, don't be too quick to jump on the teacher or title bandwagon. Consider the cost because there is a great responsibility that comes with taking a position in the kingdom of God. I found out in the church, everybody wants a title. seems like everybody wants a position. I want to teach. I want to preach. I want to do this. I always tell them to sit down, be quiet, get under the word for a few years, learn a little bit of something, and then go ahead and teach. Otherwise, what will happen? There'll be confusion that's why many times I do not bring in a lot of people here, if I can help it, who I don't know who they are or what they teach. I don't want to bring someone in here to confuse you. I want to bring someone in here who verifies what I've already said to affirm it to you that what I'm speaking is truth. That's why we put people basically up here who've been in this church a while and they know what we believe and they know what we're doing. Praise God. Hallelujah. 
If you don't know something as a teacher, let me help you. Say, I don't know. <laughs> don't fake it. Don't make it up. Don't try to sound spiritual. Don't do whatever. Just say, I don't know. Praise God. That's the easiest way to do it. If you speak something to them out of line with the Word of God, they will believe what you say because of your position as a teacher. Then not only will they be held accountable, because of the authority that you have, you will be held accountable for what's in your life. Examples are all things work together. Well, my horse died, my cow died, my husband died. All things work together. Don't worry about it. Praise God. I got in an accident. I'm all broke up. Can't even walk. All things work together. Praise God. It's a solve it all. Don't ever take Scripture out of context if you can help it. Take it in the text that basically it was written in, and you'll be all right. Hallelujah. And, of course, one of my favorites, God is in control of everything. Hallelujah. So if any man offend not in word, in other words, if you're stand in line with God's word, if you're stand in line with righteousness of God, the same here is a perfect man. And notice what it will do. It will allow you to bridle or control your whole body. Amen. Everybody wants to stop doing this with their body. Well, change your mouth and you'll change your body, basically. Line the word of God up. Remember what we just read a little while ago? By your words you will be, and by your words you will be, so notice, who's justifying you, yourself, your words? Who's condemning you, your words, yourself? It's totally up to you which one you do to make the choice. All right, go to Matthew chapter 11. All right, Matthew chapter 11, look at verse, let's just start in verse 1. And it came to pass when Jesus had made an end of commanding his 12 disciples, he departed thence to teach and to preach in their cities. And when John had heard in prison the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said unto him, Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? Jesus answered and said unto them, Go and show John, what, again... Those things which you do hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached unto them. And blessed is he whosoever shall not be what? Offended. So here we see John. John got a little problem here. He ended up in prison. And all at once he started having second thoughts. So he sent his disciples to Jesus and say, Are you the one or do we look for another? Now this was the same John who announced, This is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So Jesus said, go show John what? Again. Apparently he knew it once. That's why he sent him the second time. In other words, do not be offended at the word that you heard simply because your circumstances are not quite lining up with that word. How many know John wasn't believing to go to prison? You cannot let your current situation, the jail cell, change your mind about the word of God that you believe. When a person gets offended at the word, they will become double-minded on the word. They will fail to hold to the promise. Maybe that's what the word said. I'm not really sure. Maybe it will. Maybe it won't work. Uh, maybe that's what God said. When doubt moves in, the tongue will produce evil fruit. It will take you from he's the one to are you the one? It will change what you say. And notice what happens here. You become offended. Say offended. Now, if you slice the word offended, it is off-ended. 
So in other words, if you're believing God, you're walking in the authority, you're walking in the power, things are starting to go good for your life. As soon as you get offended, you get off-ended the promise that was given to you. In other words, you'll cut off your money supply. You'll cut off your peace supply. You'll cut off your joy supply. Why? Because you got off-ended or offended at the word of God. All right, go to Matthew 15. Matthew 15, look at verse 18. But those things which proceed out of the mouth... Now, what do you think he's talking about here? Words, probably. But those things which proceed out of the mouth come forth from the heart, and they do what? They defile a man. So if a person is not able to control what comes out of their mouth, their efforts to bridle the body will prove fruitless. If you cannot control your tongue, you cannot control your body. Something that you meditate on a long enough will surface, it will grow in your heart, it will develop, and it will produce fruit in your life. That's why you cannot continually confess your situations now. I'm an alcoholic. I got born again, but I'm an alcoholic. Are you an alcoholic? Yeah, I'm an alcoholic. You drink a lot? Of course, I'm an alcoholic. Everybody drinks a lot when they're an alcoholic. I'm trying not to be an alcoholic, but I'm doing my best not to be an alcoholic, but I'm an alcoholic. Well, as long as you believe and you're confessing that you're an alcoholic, how many know you're going to believe in your heart you're an alcoholic? How many know your body's going to follow your heart and your mouth, which says, I'm an alcoholic, and you're going to want to drink? See, whatever comes out of your mouth. That's why never put yourself down. There's enough people to do that. You don't need help from anybody else. There's plenty of people out there going to put you down all the time. So you don't have to assist them. Basically, if anything, you should be building yourself up on the Word of God. Once a person begins to speak their convictions, their body will begin to line up with the very thing that they confess. They will become increasingly unable to bridle their body. Eventually, it will go to do the very thing that they were talking about. And, I mean, if, if you see people who are serial killers, they just don't wake up one day, grab a gun, and go shoot somebody. They've been thinking about this stuff, and they see themselves killing, and they see themselves as a killer, and they see, and all, once they just do what comes natural to them, that's why sometimes they're not even guilty, because they meditated it so long, it seems like that was the right thing to do for them. That's what I'm supposed to do, so I killed them. Are you, are you sad about it? No. Do you feel bad about it? No. They got what they got because that's what I am. Because what was on the inside of them, what they put on the inside of them basically came out, got in their thought life, got in their mouth. They started speaking it, and then they started believing. Your mouth is very important. You know, it also talks about in James about your mouth, and I use this at weddings all the time for married couples, basically, that the, that the mouth is like, the tongue is like a ship, the rudder of a ship. And whichever way that rudder goes, that great big ship will follow that wee tiny little rudder. So... Your ship is sailing every single day in the kingdom of God, and you the rudder. You the one controlling whether that going, boat's going to peace and joy and power, or that boat going over here, and nobody loves me, and everyone cares for me. See, you control the ship, it says. And it says, and if you can control your tongue, you can bridle your whole body. In other words, your body will start lining up with whatever comes out of your mouth. All right, go to Proverbs 18. All right, Proverbs 18, look at verse 21. Probably knew we were going there anyway. It says, Death and life 
are because God is in control. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Uh, it tells us what we've been studying here tonight. Basically, your mouth produces fruit in your life, and death and life are in the power of your tongue. So both death and life are in the power of your tongue. Life and death are in the power that proceeds out of your mouth. The life flow, however, comes from the treasure that's on the inside of you. A person's treasure is defined by their thought life, what they've been feeding into themselves. The treasure will grow and eventually surface and produce fruit in the form of words. Whether this fruit is poison or divine blessing depends entirely on what an individual has been putting in their heart. That's why you see married couples who basically aren't getting along very good and a housewife's at home and a husband's out working and she's watching General Hospital and as the stomach turns and all those things during the day and basically this one's having an affair with that one and that one's having an affair with this one and this one's having an affair with that one, and she's already not trusting him to begin with. Then one night he goes out with the guys and don't get home till 10 o'clock at night and she knows he was with another girl. That's the way it was because a lady on General Hospital did the same thing, praise God. And before you know it, there's a divorce over something that didn't really make any sense anyway, but she's constantly feeding that distrust in, finally seeing all this stuff that's going on and then blames on her husband and doesn't trust him, or it can be the other way around. I mean, it can be both ways. But what is that? What went in them basically became real to them, even though it wasn't real to them. So people think their words many times are simply hurting others when they cut people down all the time. But the Bible says that a person defiles their own body, not somebody else's, their own body by the words of their mouth. When someone steps out of alignment with the Word of God, with wrong thoughts and wrong talk, this gives up their authority. And I'll tell you, evil spirits are waiting for you to invite them with your mouth. Oh, I'm just so depressed. I'm just so angry today. Oh, I'm so afraid. I'm terrified. I hate you. I'm sick. All those things are attractive. They're like smelling salts to the devil who's already been beat up and knocked on the mat. They hear those confessions and they just start coming and they start feeding things into your mind. You are allowing the enemy to rob your authority and wear down your physical body at the same time. Don't do it. You've got the authority. Don't put up with it. Keep your mouth in line with the things of God. Use your authority to run the devil out of your life. Hang on to what he's given you. All right, go to James chapter 4. All right, James chapter 4, look at verse 6. Talking about God, but God gives more grace, wherefore he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace unto the humble. Therefore, submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So God resists the proud. Now, why does he resist the proud? He resists the proud because of the words of their mouth. They think they know more than God does. God says you're powerful. I'm saying I ain't got any power. God says you have authority. I ain't got any authority. God says you have peace. I ain't got any peace. What if you? You think you're smarter than God is. So basically you're being prideful. How does God resist? He must stand back in your situations and circumstances because you're not in right alignment with Him.
The proud person does not humble themselves and submit to the word of God. They do not submit to God's word, but rather put their own opinion first. Heard people say already, I know the word says forgive, but I'll tell you, I just don't feel like forgiving that person. That's just the way it is. This is pride. When a person walks in pride, demon spirits know that the word is not settled in their life. Since their existence is based on feelings, evil spirits can create havoc in their life. Confused, they get angry towards God, angry towards the preacher, angry towards their friends. They are tossed to and fro on an emotional ride. Instead of fighting the good fight of faith, they bow to circumstances. So what should we do? First, we need to have our intake correct. Do not depart from your intake. Keep putting in good Christian strong books, Word of God books. If you want to read a novel now and then, do it, but make the Word of God more than anything in your life. So don't let your intake depart. Second of all, if you don't let it depart, then your thoughts will be in line with God. If the Word of God is your intake, your thoughts will be, and then the words of your mouth will be lined up with your thoughts and your intake. They will then be able to bridle your whole body in every situation. The Bible says a root of bitterness will grow and defile not only that person, but other people also. They will get mad at everybody. Mad at God, mad at the teacher, and really mad at the hot. The integrity of the Word of God cannot be violated without consequences in your life. In other words, with unbelief, there is a price to pay. To back down, there's a price to pay. And sometimes it's hard when you're starting this, first of all, to speak what God said in a situation when you're with five other people who are all on the negative realm. We're all heading in the wrong direction. It's tough to spit it out there. But once you start to do it, it will work in your life. All right, look at verse 8. It tells you to draw nigh to God, and He will do what? Draw nigh to you. So I want to declare His Word. I want to speak His Word. I want to speak to myself in Psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. I want to confess the Word. I want to stay in agreement. Peter failed and he followed Jesus from afar off. God has given each of us the ability to put His Word in our heart and in our mouth. As you do, the power and the authority and integrity of the Word will go to work in every area of your life. As you increase the treasure in your heart, you will bring forth God good fruit of health, wealth, peace, joy, and power. Then you'll use your authority to walk in those things that you found out the kingdom has already given you. Hallelujah. Glory to God. That's it.